0: Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, squirrel. So last time we were in part one of a tale of two change models, and this week we're going to attack the second type of change model, but we better review where we were. Right. So we were talking about theory X and theory Y, which very roughly... Theory X people say that the people in your organization are motivated by day-to-day operations. They aren't um, able to understand the overall purpose. They're good for producing, but not for directing. And so giving autonomy to them and asking them to be part of decision-making, kind of stuff that we tend to think about when we think about agile development organizations, those things don't really work so well in Theory X groups. Theory Y says, well, people probably are motivated not only by their own self-interest, but also in the interest of the organization. And if we give them the right information and we give them the right opportunities and clear roadblocks for them, they should be able to achieve business goals. That's very roughly what Theory X and Theory Y say. And I was noticing that I had some really effective Theory X clients who didn't have kind of the... Uh, dictatorial approach or the very negative views of people's motivations. They believed that really people could have good motives for doing things and, and would be able to perform tasks. But what they needed to do was to bring the information effectively and efficiently to leadership to make decisions. So centralized decision-making but a fair amount of trust. So that's where we were. And uh, then we talked about these two change models. Did you did you want to talk us through the first one and then and move us on to the second one, Jeffrey?
1: Yeah. Last week, we introduced uh, the uncanny valley uh, as an overall concept. And in particular, we talked about uh, an article called The Uncanny Valley of a Functional Organization, where the author uh, described, that he says that there's a lot of times there's a case where being a little bit uh, short of perfect is actually ends up being much, surprisingly much worse than just being good enough. indeed. And links to all these in the show notes as usual. That's right, because you fall into this uncanny valley, which is worse than uh, than sort of good enough. and I, and I think there's a a way to think about what you're describing as the centralized decision making model as sort of the peak of the pre-valley organization. It can be pretty effective. It may not be perfect. It may not be ideal, but it does, Uh, account for certain problems. Uh, People who like it tend to say, well, it's efficient and people don't spend time arguing and they don't spend time wondering what to do. Which is exactly what they're worried about in the Uncanny
0: Valley. They say, if I start to go over to that very autonomous situation, then everybody will be arguing all the time and nobody will ever get this important stuff done. I know how to get it done. So let's just get it done my way.
1: Right. And so to go back to the problem you were facing, which is you were kind of thinking, well, how do I get someone? Uh, normally, I have this sort of recipe I want pe- where I want people to get to, but in this environment, it sounds like it's, it's not a good fit. And, and not necessarily even that I want to move them off
0: toward Theory Y for sure, but that I'd like to help them be the most effective organization they can, which
1: might mean staying where they are. That, that's right. And, and in particular, you're going to help them from where they are. The theory X or the Uncanny Valley model I have found useful in some scenarios, particularly uh, when trying to tell people as a leader, saying, "You know, I want us to get to this other side, and I want us to be better, and it's going to be, it's going to require all of your effort." But as, as far as a model of, you know, selling to someone else, it can be very daunting, and it seems like a lot of risk. And you know, we're fine up on the top of our of our hill over here on this side of the valley. We don't need to fall on the other side. So, so we promised to come back with a different model this week, which is the Virginia Satir model of change. And uh, as always, link in the show notes. In fact, we're going to probably have a couple different uh, notes in the, in the show notes. And the Satir model is one that describes that there's a idea of a status quo, that you're going along at a certain level. And uh, then you go through a, a transformation and you can come out the other side at a new status quo. And in terms of organizational change, uh, you usually talk about this as sort of you you bring in a, a new model and then you go through this capability dip as you're sort of going through chaos, you're in- integrating the new idea until you come up with a transforming idea, that you then improve at and suddenly you end up at this higher level. And uh, I think some, sometimes people call it the J-curve. Exactly.
0: And I I like the J curve name, actually, partly because I know some of our listeners are in their cars or jogging or something. So please don't go try to look up the satire curve in your notes, but just try to to visualize this for me. A J curve, a J turned on its side. And so what's happening is that you're going along at a certain level. Then you start your J, which is the bottom part of the J. That's your capability dip. And then you go back up. This is the long part of the J, the straight part that's curved, sorry, that's um, angled. And then that takes you up to a better performance. So that's your higher level. So if any of that doesn't make sense, go look it up, but pull over first. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. Don't don't try to look this up while you're while you're driving.
0: But this is an unusually visual troubleshooting Agile episode. Sorry about that. But uh, I hope uh, the J curve notion is helping you if you haven't seen this before.
1: Now, the thing about this this J curve model that's similar to the Uncanny Valley model. Uh, so, it, the superficially, there there's some similarities. In particular, this idea that from where you are now to the better place in between is this valley, is this dip, is this sort of drop in performance. So it has some similar benefits as far as setting expectations to people that, you know, we're not going to just sort of start doing this new thing and then suddenly we'll be in the promised land. It's not going to be better all at once that we should expect that as we're learning, we're going to go through some period where things are certainly uncomfortable and probably less productive than they were in our old way of doing things. What I think is very different about this Satir model, the J-curve model, as opposed to the uncanny valley model is the uncanny valley model is sort of on an absolute scale. It, it kind of says, you know, there is a perfect place. And then you kind of are somewhere on this model between left and right, up and down, you know, and that's it. That's, that's all there is. And unlike this, the the change model of the curve of the J curve is this is every single improvement we try has the possibility to be a J curve. So it's, it's, it's not a, a one-time thing, but rather something we can do again and again. And in fact, and this sounds like agile development all of a sudden, doing it in small pieces might be a good idea. Exactly. And that's one of the links in the show notes. will be a uh, slide deck described as creating change one tic-tac at a time. The reason for the tic-tac, you'll have to read the show notes to find that out. But the idea was breaking up. Uh, what would be one big change into a lot of small ones. And then in the show notes, you'll find this graphically portrayed. Rather than having one J curve, you have a whole string of much smaller Js. And the advantage is you spend a lot less time in the dip. <laughs> and then you, you, you can actually accelerate to where you want to be faster because you have many small wins. And so there's a lot of benefits to doing that. And of course another thing that's true about that is if you're in a
0: situation that's pretty good, we're imagining we're that effective Theory X organization that says, hey, you know, this kind of centralized stuff, it's working pretty well for us. You could say, well, why don't we try this little move? And they could say, great, that was enough. You know, we're, we're okay. It's, it's easier to stop. You're not making one big investment. Same as making small changes to your software. You can make a small change to your organization and see benefit and also stop if you want to. You don't have to take the whole thing at once or ever.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think once you have that realization, then I think this is where this J-curve model uh, works well is you start realizing that we don't need to have this this gigantic shift you know across the uncanny valley. Instead, we can simply say uh, from where we are, what are the range of options? What are the range of changes that we think would be better from where we are? And that can be uh, then very generative. You can you can really come up with a lot of more ideas. Whereas I think w- when you're when you're framing it it's simply like oh we are theory X and we want to be theory Y, we need to get to the place where everyone is empowered and anything less is failure, then you, I think you can be quite stuck because it's, you've made this into sort of a black or white thing that either we are the theory Y organization and everyone is empowered and everyone's informed and we're in that paradise or we're not. And, that, and I think that's what the uncanny valley model can sometimes lead people to be, to be trapped in. So um, we should
0: try to think of some concrete examples for our listeners. I've got at least one, which is that when I've worked with these really effective theory, theory X organizations, one of the common complaints is, gee, I'd like to gather this information, but as I'm scaling, as my organization gets bigger, I, I can't quite get the information to make the decisions like I used to. I used to be able to get it all myself or or with a little bit of help, and now suddenly I need more organization for doing that. So small improvements that I've made to help those organizations begin to function more successfully might turn into theory why or might not, I'm not fussed either way, are things like at one company where there was quite a lot of chaos and people heading off in, in all different directions. And it was really kind of stuck in the, in the uncanny valley, trying to be more autonomous and not succeeding. I introduced project reviews that were monthly that allowed a fairly directive founder of the company to give that direction, but once a month and in a very organized way. And that organization was helpful. And then another thing we were able to do there and at other clients was to introduce more experimentation so that you can say, well, look, what we can do is we can make a little change to the software and see what effect that has on users. Do they buy more? Do they buy less? Do they do something else? And that'll be helpful information for you here in the Theory X organization to make a centralized decision. So we aren't trying to change the decision-making. We're trying to change the information flow in both of those cases. So those are some techniques I've tried for making that small step. And that's a much easier change Curve to go down than hey let's switch to full autonomy. They in fact that first organization had tried that and that's how they wound up in the uncanny valley, very uncomfortable,
1: right? And I that thing that you described, which is the uh, centralized decision maker trying to uh, empower people and having it not work out, is something I've actually incurred and encountered many different I- environments. It's a very common complaint for me with these types of founders, where they say things like, "Well, you know, I did try empowering people, but it, it didn't work."
0: Look what happened!
1: Yeah. Everybody just went off on their own. Or, 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 well, actually, I've I've heard different complaints. I've heard sometimes that no one did anything, no decisions were being made. So they, yep. they, they would stuck have been both ways. Exactly. You can you can get different failure modes. But the point is, it is it failed, and it, you can argue about why they did. I think there's some good reasons why what maybe these these leaders who had never uh, been part of a empowered organization didn't really know to, how to go about doing it, and so they didn't do it very well. This is not a this is not a surprise. With no practice, how would they how would they know? But similarly, uh, with this model of the TIC-TAC model, I was able to say, well, what are things we can do from where we are that would be an improvement? And uh, one example, and this is a technique people might've heard from us before, but it certainly, if you've never heard of this, it's certainly mm-hmm. worth trying. There's this, this model called the six thinking hats um, from Edward de Bono, where he talks about how to do parallel brainstorming, how to get everyone in the room, not just coming up with freeform brainstorming, but rather everyone's brainstorming in the same direction as they go through some very defined phases. These different hats uh, represent different modes of thinking. So you put on, say, the black hat, what are all the things that might go wrong? And you put on the white hat, we're just talking now about facts. Uh, You put on the uh, red hat for an emotional check-in. And the idea is that uh, because everyone's going in the same direction, they can build upon one another's energy. And I I think this works especially well where you've had these powerful decision makers that sometimes have maybe inhibited other people from putting forward their ideas. But once you said like, well, the, this is now the boss who's criticizing his own idea and he's asking you to join in, it's a lot easier to do that than when, when he puts forth his idea saying, here's my idea. Does anyone see anything wrong with that? <laughs> Everyone's learned that the answer is no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what you said was fine. But when he starts saying, well, I have these concerns, uh, I can imagine some things that might go wrong. Is there anything I'm missing? Then people can join in. Indeed. And that doesn't mean
0: in each of these cases, we're not making major changes to the organization. So we're introducing something gently that can help the the organization to function better right now.
1: And you can immediately see a win.
0: And that's uh, usually much more successful than trying to jump all the way across a, a valley.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that I think this, for example, the six thinking hats, so we're trying to work with the existing dynamic uh, and move things towards better. In this case, my goal was, how do we get more people uh, sharing what they know in an environment where they know that the who the ultimate decision maker is? And this was one possible format to, to doing that. But in general, this is the value of the model to say, well, you know, rather than saying, we need to make this change and it's be gigantic and it's all or nothing. We can say, what are small changes in the right direction uh, that we can get some wind from soon. hmm Sounds good to me.
0: Okay. Well, if you're listening to us and you're saying, gee, I'm making those kinds of small changes or, oh my God, making small changes like that sounds terrifying or no one would ever listen to me or anything else like that. If you're experiencing this or have questions about it, we'd sure like to hear about it. Uh, You can find us as usual at troubleshootingagile.com. There you can find Twitter links and email links and all kinds of other things that would let you get in touch with us. As always, we love it when our listeners subscribe because it means they can hear us again. And every Wednesday, we'll be out with something else. I don't know what we'll come up with next week, but I'm sure it'll be as interesting and in this case, helpful to me as uh, understanding better how to help Theory X organizations most effectively. Cool. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Paul.